If only we could fly. Hello everyone and welcome to Pudding Ain't Easy. It's today it's Gen V edition. And with me as always to talk about the superheroes that are going to college. It's the butcher to my homelander. It's Scott McLeod, everybody. Oh, that's uh, not the boys comparison I thought you were gonna make, but I'll take it nonetheless, but <laughs> I'm, I'm happy to be here, Carl. We should explain to people, I know we've said multiple times that we were going to try to do this after Loki, but you know, it was the season finale most recently, and you know everyone's talking about the finale. I think we we all knew there was going to be something big if it was going to lead into the boys season four. And so given it's the, out of all the superhero shows that were on last Friday, this is the one being most talked about, we thought, We'll, we'll 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 cover this and we'll do, give you the last two episodes of Loki next week. Yeah, yeah. So don't fear, we're still we're still going to do Loki. Um, so yeah, we'll just do the last two episodes as a bumper edition. So don't go anywhere; that will be still coming your way. It was a it was a busy week. Uh, it was a busy day last Friday. If you're a particular fan of superhero content, because you had Loki, you had Gen V. And you had Invincible uh, premiering, uh, the new season of that premiering on Amazon Prime as well. Like on the Saturday night, me and my, me and my brother, he came round to mine to watch Crown Jewel, which given it was in Saudi Arabia, ended about 10 o'clock, 9, 10 o'clock at night. And so we went, we went straight from the network to Amazon Prime and watched Gen V and Invincible back to back. Ah, fair play. I'm not watching Invincible, to be honest, so can't really give you an opinion on that one. I would recommend. I mean, at least give the first episode of season one a chance. I think I remember watching it. It was one of those ones. So that's pretty good. And then you wait to the very end because they they trick you out at the end of the first episode of the first series. I think you know that's the end of it. Like, no, there's this an extra bit here at the end, which reveals to you something like, "Oh Jesus," and that's what hooks you in. So based on that, if you want to give it a go, and you know. Well, I might do at some point. Who knows? But yeah, won't be anytime soon. I've got a lot of other stuff I want to watch. Mm. But yeah, so Scott, how have you been? Uh, pretty good. No, all things considered, you know, I'm just dealing with work stuff and more stuff being piled on my my plate. Given that some people have recently left my my place of employment, so stuff is now falling to me this week. Uh, I know getting through all the the cavalcade of good superhero-related content that are being given. So, I mean, I could complain if I wanted to, but I'm not going to. That's what I like to hear. Just get some with it. Just ask Scott. Yeah, it's always a bug when those selfish gets decide to leave for another job, leaving you with more work to do. <laughs> Absolute bastards. Yes, I'm very happy that you're probably going to be more fulfilled somewhere else. But, you know, just think about me and my, my mental health, you know. 
Mm. I'm already mm. pissed off with the amount of work I've got to do as it is. Their new person gets out, and I'm probably going to have to fucking supervise or watch over them. Like, <laughs> I'm not going to. Yeah, mop up all their mistakes and what have you. Pretty much, yeah. Well, I, I had a I had a shop collapsing all around me on Sunday, so you know, happy days. Yeah, uh, I, I showed you the I, I saw the photo that you sent me of a uh, you know the kind of day you were dealing with. You know, I don't mean to laugh at you, but I did. Mm-hmm. I was had a day off on Sunday when all that was happened to you. So everyone else in the house is out, so pretty much all the housework got left to me. So I got turned into a fucking stay-at-home housewife for the Sunday. You know. <laughs> I told my mum when she got home, I mean, I got all that stuff you asked me to do done in under two hours. So I don't know what you're always complaining about, being so tired when you've got a day off and you're doing all this housework. If you put a bit more effort and you'd, you'd get it done quicker, you'd have more time to relax, you wouldn't be so tired. I don't know sure. why she was so angry. She, has, she still hasn't spoken to me. <laughs> who knows? Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I wouldn't say that about my mother to her face. <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, you know good times in real life. So that's why we enjoy the escapism of science fiction and fantasy. And uh, they keep seemingly churning out, even with the varying levels of content, especially on the Marvel side. If you believe a lot of people online. But we'll keep watching it because it's better than real life. Anything's better than real life, let's be fucking honest. <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, so this weekend, uh, a trailer drop for the, um, I don't know how anticipated, I was going to say much anticipated, but I don't know how anticipated it is, but the um, long-awaited Echo series that's going to be hitting Disney+. Plus. We've got um, not a release date exactly but a monthly it's going to come in january um we did think it was going to come in the end of 2023 but obviously it's going to be a wee bit later than that now but yeah, it doesn't look too bad from the trailers to be fair a lot of action mm-hmm. what's yeah. your overall impressions yeah i, I... Like I, I'd almost forgotten about it until I saw that announcement uh, on Twitter the day before it came out, where they're teasing like oh, the announcement of the the trailers coming tomorrow, and you know, I was like, Dave, I quite like you know it's kind of an extension of Hawkeye and this the next level then leading to Daredevil, which we've talked about in the pod uh, before. So it's kind of its own little self-contained like section of the universe. It's more street level, slightly more violent section of the the MCU that we're getting. Uh, which I like to see because you can tell it's very violent by the by the trailer and everything. Getting to see more of Echo, Maya, uh, you know, we saw her and Hawkeye. Getting to see more of her kind of back to her relationship with Kingpin in this trailer. Uh, we don't we didn't get much of Daredevil. We got a blink and you'll miss it. Uh, but which is ironic for a blind guy that you only <laughs> you almost don't see him. But I think it's a case of like yeah, we'll lead into Daredevil in a sense because Kingpin's involved, but like. We're not gonna. That's not gonna take focus away from from Echo. This is still, you know, her, her show. Yeah, definitely. Probably only get like a, a cameo from Daredevil in a couple of episodes or something. But um, yeah, it's um, looks very sort of well from the trailer. It looks very sort of kingpin heavy, doesn't it? Which uh, I don't think is a bad thing. 
It seems like we see how he sort of meets uh, when she's a, a young girl. He, he takes exceptions to like a street vendor taking the piss out of her and gives them a, a good old thrash in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You have that, you have that classic, you know, scene the the villain says to the hero, oh, "We're not so different, you and I," because you have a, mm. you see that scene where he beats up that person, but then that clips of that are intercut with her beating up a, a criminal later on in a similarly, you know, violent fashion, and that's that way that they are very similar because he's probably, you know, after the death of her father, he's kind of brought her up as in his image, and you know, we we know what the kingpin's like when he when he snaps, but you know, talking about you know people who have you know made certain superhero roles their own or characters in superhero universe. I mean, you know, I think now he's in the proper MCU, people will notice a lot more, but really, Vincent D'Onofrio's Kingpin is very underrated in that regard. It, it, yeah, it really is. He's played the character brilliantly in the, mm-hmm. the Daredevil um, series and his uh, brief appearance in Hawkeye. Mm-hmm. Are there- I was telling my brother about this the other day because, you know, we we cover Loki. My brother's, he likes the Loki character. He's not as sold on the Loki show as maybe you and I are. And we were talking about different MCU like, TV shows and we talked about Hawkeye and I said, like, I mentioned how I, I maintain I don't think Hawkeye gets enough respect as, a, as one of the Disney Plus offerings. And there's a point where I'm thinking, I said at Christmas, we've got Christmas coming up. I might rewatch it during December, you know. You know <laughs> add that to my list of, you know, multiple, you know, Know, things to rewatch it during Christmas, but yeah, getting back to to this, I like I might try a, a different style because you know there are bits where kind of echoey, you know, this kind of sound where and the stimulus might be from my perspective because she's deaf, and I think they might you know we saw a hint of that where it was like from her perspective and I seen in Hawkeye where you can't hear anything. I think we might get some ways of like some scenes like that in this show, which I think would be quite cool. Different ways of you know kind of presenting stuff. And I seen at the end of the trailer it said oh, well, say January tenth all episodes dropping at once. But it also says rated T V N A, so I know they got away with a lot of violence on the Netflix show, but I think this may be the most violent thing we get so far in terms of like Disney Plus exclusive Marvel offerings. Yeah, so looking at the trailer it looks like they're um they're not holding back on the violence. Mm-hmm. You see people getting shot and beat up and blood on Kingpin's hands after he thrashes that guy. So um, yeah, it's definitely going to be one of their more um, R-rated efforts. Is that the right term? Yeah, yeah, probably. Um, uh, we also um, you sort of see Kingpin with a patch over his eye, don't you? At one point in the trailer as well. It's um, at the end of. Um, Hawkeye, or near the end of Hawkeye, sort of echo. We get the impression Echo shot him, so whether, whether she got him in the eye or grazed him or something, mm-hmm. wounded him, but you know, he obviously survived. So, might be interesting to see if we learn what happened there. Yeah, I think maybe a case of like she, she hates him because at the end of Hawkeye, she realized it. He could have been lying to her for much of her life and everything in the circumstances of her father's death and everything. But maybe it was a case where there's a small part of her that couldn't really go through with it and couldn't kill him. So, you know, she kind of just shoots him in the eye, maybe try to leave him to die, and, but doesn't make an effort to save him. But I think it's a good thing that you don't kill him off because, especially if you're reinterested in Daredevil, having 
Daredevil alongside the Kingpin in the MCU makes sense. And, you know, I think this show, I'm not to say that, you know, he'll be the best part of it, but I think in terms of antagonists, you could do worse than having Kingpin in this Echo show. And I think the show will be better off for, for Vincent Nerfio's involvement in it. And talk about, again, the all the episodes dropping at once, I think this is maybe a, they're using this to kind of test that formula. Maybe they're not as confident in it because, you know, I think Hawkeye did get decent reviews, but I don't think it was as, it didn't get as much attention as some other stuff, or maybe it doesn't, like I said, it still hasn't told to me, even though it was only out a year ago. So maybe they're experimenting that with some some shows and maybe not as confident in going forward. Maybe they'll they'll switch out depending on the property. Like, well, this will be a weekly winner. This will be an all episodes at once kind of a thing. Yeah, and you, you saw them um, experiment in a different way with um, Ahsoka as well, with giving it like a, a proper prime time slot and um, going quite heavy on the um, promotional for it to to make sure it um, got stronger viewing figures, which uh, paid off and did a similar thing with Loki as well, given that um, a regular advertised time slot on the on the streaming service and then they promoted that reasonably heavily as well so um, yeah just obviously trying different things with different properties as you say to to see what works and what doesn't mm-hmm. yeah and I think that's probably the best because there are some shows that do work for the weekly like, uh, week do for I think Loki does because there's so much stay like questions left with every episode and speculation for the next one whereas there are some shows where I don't think they are always intended to leave you wanting more for the next week so if you just give it them all at once then people can go through the episodes at their own pace and see how they how they find it uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they do that Agatha show that they were going to do Agatha Harkness show they talked about that will probably be in all episodes dropped at once thing because I think this that and Echo are the two shows at the end I don't think a lot of people or that hyped about, and I don't even know if that argument this was even going to fucking happen at this rate, because I think that and Echo were maybe like late 2023 shows, and Loki was maybe somewhat closer to the summer, I think, I remember right when they first announced it, but then obviously certain things have been bloody pushed around recently at Marvel, and I think we've already talked about what the state of Marvel's in at the minute. Yeah, yeah, they, they are struggling a little bit at the moment, Marvel, and um, yeah, they haven't gone quite, quite on that Agatha one, not that I'm particularly worried about that one, to be honest, it wasn't, wasn't one that struck me as much watched from uh, my point of view anyway, but mm-hmm. um, uh, we'll, we'll see what happens with that, with that one, and, uh, and uh, all the shows they've got on the pipeline. Yeah, because, you know, go, go, well, let's say before the end of 2023 coming up this Friday, they've got the Marvels coming in, which is, well, uh, it, it feels like this stage, like something they're just, they're just trying to get out of the way. You know, it's already not getting the best reviews. Well, not the, I'm saying not the best, it's not being panned or anything, but it's getting very middling. I think it was a word used to describe the reviews from test screens that they'd already done. And, uh, even though apparently even the film's own director kind of buggered off when they had a couple more months of post-production to do because they were moving on to their next project but and people close up say like that's not common for a director just to leave when the film not technically finished yet so maybe even the person involved in it whether they were just taking the job for the money or they weren't happy with 
of Marvel getting involved with their project or whatever. Just, even those closely involved with it aren't entirely invested in it. Yeah, yeah, it does seem a bit of a strange one, that, unless there was some sort of falling out or, mm-hmm. or, or sacking or something that they're keeping quiet and, you know, just like, yeah, move on. Won't yeah. say anything about it. Who knows? But again, I'm not, I can't say I'm super excited for the Marvels, really. Yeah, I'm, I'm not entirely sure if I'm going to go see it in cinemas or not, which it feels like a sad thing to see, even if it's not one of the bigger names. I mean, I know they're trying to make like, new characters in the next phase, couple of phases, but, you know, it doesn't feel like, you know, even the Marvel films that turned out to be not as great, I always used to feel like a mark going to see a mark, the new Marvel film was kind of a destination thing. Like, I must, how early can I go and see this? But that's when I'm like, ah, I'll get around to it. Ah, uh, you know, it can't be too exciting if Scott, even Scott's not going to the cinema to watch it. <laughs> I mean, I might, well, but, I mean, I've, I've got an internal, I was going to say eternal, internal, you know, bar in terms of, you know, what I consider a bad film, but the Ant-Man Quantum may have really tested that barrier, uh, but also, as we know, Eternals is right near the bottom, it's going to be a long time before anything gets that close. So I don't even think the Marvels can can get that low because, you know, it's got Kamala Khan in it. So and that's, a, that's an A-plus for me. Yeah, it's going to take something really bad to um, usurp um, Eternals as the worst Marvel picture, mm-hmm. to be fair. But, you know, <laughs> it can be done, <laughs> I imagine. It probably will be done, but uh, I'm not going to help. Going to like try and you know, look out for the next bloody Eternals s quality film. You know, I'd rather just be pleasantly disappointed when it comes. Hmm. Hmm. Well, Scott, we move on to the meat of the podcast, and that is Gen V. Now, I don't know about you, but I wasn't really sure what to expect. From from this show, um, I was a little bit worried it was just going to be sort of um, superhero kids with not a whole lot of structure behind it. But um, boy, did it surprise and did it exceed expectations? Yeah, because I think all, all we heard is kind of speculation about it because news of it came out. Well, we're still kind of in the pandemic and you know, season two came out somewhat, I think around 2020, something like that. But so we were kind of unsure what we were going to really get. Or like, sorry, season three came out kind of around about the pandemic time as well. And, and we weren't sure what we were going to get with this. You know, when TV shows say they're going to do a spin-off, you know, or a show within the same universe, but with different characters, you can be quite sceptical uh, skeptical about it. I mean, we all know the the true exception and truest ex- example of a great spin-off that's maybe as good if not better than the original is obviously Frasier, but that's a story for another time. Uh, so it was quite interesting, but I think it wasn't until I saw the first trailer for, for Gen V that I was getting more into the idea because it seemed like it was going to have a lot of the same you know, tropes that we enjoy with the boys, the same kind of violence and everything. And while they do, we do have kind of especially a lot more so towards the end of the, the series, 
I, I liked that it gave you enough time to get acquainted with his new carriers, allowed it to, to stand on its own for the most part, and to the point where also I'm excited for season four of this, but I was equally excited when they announced that they're going to have a season two at Gen V. Yeah, definitely. And um, I like the fact they sort of get into the sort of more, more of the downside of the powers as well. I mean, not all these powers... Um, of what they're cracked up to be, um, and sometimes you know the sort of offset to how you use the powers almost makes you wonder if it's even you know it's even worth having them. Um, and some of the powers are pretty um, disturbing as well. Like um, I think it's fair to say, Marie Moreau's probably the main the main character of the of the piece. Uh, and her powers like be able to control blood, which is um, kind of cool, but kind of icky at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, initially it's more so she can have to, she has to access it by like cutting herself open, uh, like she's able to heal up, but she has to cut herself every time, and you know uses her blood for various things and like makes weapons out of it, but. She learns that you can do a lot more just by controlling the blood of other people, just you know, mentally. And we learn of her connection with another boy's character, which we'll, we'll talk about later on. But I think it goes back to the thing where, like all these people at a young age are injected with this gen, this compound V thing, but none of them have any really control of what powers they get. So they have to kind of just live with the consequences of whatever it is they get. And each of the main characters, even some of them get established early on, but then some of them come later on. But literally every one of them has some sort of major side effect of just having to deal with the powers that they have. Yeah, and it, it really is a unique spin on the hero genre, what they're doing with the boys and, and Gen V. I mean, normally you just see these superheroes go about their business, and maybe they have a bit of um, sort of hard times in their private life, you know, trying to get a girlfriend to stick with them and having to drop real life to go and fight crime. But you don't often see really bad sort of side effects in, in using super in using their superpowers. So, you know, it's a good, it's a good different spin on. And I think it's almost like they're more almost real people in the boys and Gen V because, you know, uh, you can't. You you have these powers, and not everybody's going to be completely good, like a Spider Man or a Superman, are they? You know, you're going to get jackasses like Homelander and and whatnot. You're bound to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like as as realistic in terms of real as you're going to get for a show about people with superpowers, but it's a lot, you know, more real in that you. See kind of the darker side of it, and like because like you know we got Ant Man as I mentioned earlier on. You know he's often used as a bit of a comic relief. You know the drinking powers and everything, the stuff he does with ants and the fun things you see from his perspective. And then you get the complete one eighty of that when you see Emma, who has drinking abilities, but has to make herself sick because it's the only way she's really learned up until this point. I think we get a hint that maybe there's other ways she can do it when we get to the end of the series, but you know. The scenes where she has to go make herself like sick, you know, 
are quite harrowing to watch and we learn at, at the same time that despite everything she goes through, a lot of people kind of see her as a bit of a joke because she's just the girl that gets small and she, she makes YouTube videos about it because she's kind of just been taught by her mother that she needs to you know, get her profile out there because what Marie doesn't realise because she's a different upbringing from everybody else is that everyone else has had a head start because as we see in the boys, they're not seen as heroes, they're seen as basically properties or stuff that can be you know, marketed. Yeah, a lot of these kids have got where got to the, these powers because they've got like the sort of pushy parents to the extreme. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, they want to get they want their kids to to sort of make it into the seven or be famous through through their superpowers. I think you get a sort of taste like that with um, Starlight and the relationship between Starlight and her mother. She's very much like a pushy parent pushing Starlight into doing things. And that's basically what you got here with most of these kids. And um, this is sort of the, the, the show opening is like sort of typical boys stuff, isn't it? I mean, it else would start with someone finding out their powers when they're having that period. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of a good metaphor, at least in terms of mm. you know, it's kind of a the idea of puberty, you know finding your powers, you know, being linked with puberty, kind of a change in your your life and everything, and and in more ways than one, where you realise that she's never going to be the same again after this. Yeah, unfortunately, a concerned mother sort of barges into the bathroom and. Murray loses control of her powers of the blood and ends up killing both her mother and, and her father and in quite a a bad situation. I mean, that's the trouble. You, you, you kind of play in Russian roulette with these with Compound V, aren't you? I mean, you don't know what powers you're going to get and you have no idea if you're going to be able to, to control them, which obviously Marie couldn't at first with something like that. So... Uh, yeah, maybe giving your kids this compound visa isn't really the best idea after all. Yeah, I think they, that some people come out of their powers at different times. I think my mum and dad had kind of given up on her by that stage, you know, having her powers, and then this just it just happens that that one day, and then it ends in such a tragic circumstance. And her sister, you know from her perspective or she doesn't want anything to do with with marie anymore and marie's main goal is not really being being a superior just to be famous or being the seven she's doing it more so you know so she can get her sister back and you do get hints that they're people then vote are using the fact they may or may not have information on her sister to kind of manipulate marie at certain points and you know Again, uh, what's interesting about this is because Marie grows up in a foster home and everything, and you talked about the home that she lived in. Uh, very few people make it out, so she's kind of lucky to get to to Godju, as it's kind of you know abbreviated to the, the name of the school, and so she's kind of lucky. But she's had this shelter, which means she's kind of oblivious to a lot of things. And I have an example of of that later on, but you know she doesn't really realise what the superior world is actually like, and I think she's kind of always like Starlight. And the boy season one, where it's a female character who wants to be part of the seven, but kind of realizes very the real harsh reality of what in this world what being a superhero is actually like. 
Yeah, and um, she, yeah, like you said, she is quite na- naive in, in a lot of respects, bless her, um, because of what's happened, the way she's been brought up. But um, so she sort of goes to the school and she wants to be enrolled in a certain class. Can't remember which one it is now, because that because that class is like the the fast track to the to the seven, or it's where a lot of the, a lot of the seven uh, had had gone through, and um, mm. which, which is sort of taught by a certain professor played by um, Clancy Brown, who you know has to get on everything, has to get in on everything, but they don't want yeah. her. They don't want her in that uh, class at first, so. Um, she gets a bit also a bit disheartened by that, but um, she quickly sort of makes friends with a with a bit of a group, and um, sort of gets cajoled into. Even though she didn't want to start going out drinking, she gets cajoled into going out with, with a group, um, which consists of. Um, uh, I'm going to have to remember their names now. Because I think they all have normal names, don't they? I don't think a lot of them have like the superhero names, apart from perhaps um, the other guy yeah. who can turn into fire. Yeah, look, yeah, they call him like Golden Boy, I think. That's it, when Golden the show Boy. Start, when the show starts, everyone pretty much says that They've got rankings internally within the school. I think it's, a, it's a, like some sort of crane fighting yeah. department or a crane fighting class that they might course they're doing. This guy has written books and everything, and he's through his class a lot of the sevens because like, they show their ranking, like what the seven were all ranked. Everyone, like Atrey, number one, Homelander, number one, Queen Maeve, number one, uh, The Deep, number eight. <laughs> <laughs> the, they've also got like the, the like Crimson County's performing arts school or whatever, and but he wants to be in the, the class taught by Brett because that, like I said, will be the fast track to the the seven. Uh, and basically, Golemite looks is being presented at the start of this like, oh, he's he's a, he, he's kind of being presented on like a Homelander level. Like he's the literally the literal golden boy. He's the one who even talk about him beat going to the seven during the episode before the you know big twist thing at the end. And yeah, everyone else seems to have the normal names. You got Andre, but you assume he. His dad was a superhero, so his dad pretty much is grooming him to be the next version of him, like not yeah. the same mantle as him, rather than having his own name. You got Kate, you got Jordan, whose whole thing is she's a shapeshifter, but she really technically only changes in like two to four, like from as a girl or to a boy or vice versa, and that has comes with its own issues for her because basically Vought doesn't want to push her towards the seven because she's constant, you know, she's very strong. They don't push her above like. Position five, because Vought thinks certain southern demographics won't accept her, you know, for being, you know, by gender or however as they describe it. Yeah, which is pretty harsh. And also, we learn later on that her parents, of her, especially her dad, is a bit of a, an issue with the fact she can sort of change genders at will as well, um, which is, you know, Explores different sort of prejudice and that, which mm-hmm. is which is pretty cool. Um, yeah, uh, um, we also have the whole mystery of this thing. It's at first referred to as the the woods, 
which because um, it's sort of okay episodes we find out really quickly what what the woods entails but um uh, it's a good mystery that runs through the whole of the show basically of what's really going on behind the scenes at this school and um that's and the people who are sort of running the school the dean of this university is um Indira Shetty, who's as corrupt as anybody else that we've <laughs> met on the boys so far, and she's got um, hidden agendas, and she's very manipulative. She sort of you sort of see her working on um, Marie in the early episodes, trying to get her to sort of do her, you know, do her bidding and. And um, and what have you, both sort of saying, all right, you know, how about being the first black girl in the seven and mm-hmm. um, and whatnot? Yeah. If you just and if you just do this, because like we should mention, like when they open before Marie, you know, goes to the bathroom because she realizes she's getting her period and that's where her powers happen. Like her dad is watching a thing on TV and it's the announcement that the A train is part of the seven. And I'll say the dad's very proud to see a black man mm. getting promoted at that point. I think he was hoping that for for Marie when they eventually injected her. And then, so in a way, she's trying to follow in that effort, uh, but not for the same reason that maybe our parents wanted her to be, you know, a superhero. Because, like, going by a Sims, like, oh, you maybe you were a fan of, like, Queen Maeve and all that when you were a kid and everything. She's like, no, that's not why I'm being here. This is why. And, you know, Golden Boy, you know, you see that he's actually a lot more than the. I think when they first present him, he seems like a stereotypical jock character. He, do, he really he does, doesn't he? he? Yeah. And the thing is, like, you look at the the cast in this. You know, they announced Clancy Brown. They announced like the main core cast, like students. So like Clancy Brown was like like Clancy Brown plus some people who are pretty much unknowns. You know, out of the group, like, the one that got most attention was the actor playing Golden Boy, mainly because you know he was Arnold Schwarzenegger's son. But it is interesting that for the most part, it's a group of unproven. Kind of actors for the most part, which is kind of good, and it's kind of worked out for them because they're all great in their roles. But and it's led to people going into it not really having an expectation for it, so you can be pleasantly surprised when you when you actually see what they do with their parts. Yeah, yeah. When we thought first see Golden Boy in the first episode, they really lean heavily onto him as a sort of perfect red herring to sort of throw you off to what's going to happen at the end of the episode because. You sort of, you also said to believe that along with Marie, he's going to be the other sort of central character, uh, and he's got everything you'd want from a, a male lead, you know, the the body and um, and good luck. So it's a massive shock uh, with what happens that happens at the end of the first episode, basically. Um, I think it looks like as we find out in later episodes. I think he he re- he remembers something he was supposed to have forgotten, um, yeah. and he's he's angry he's angry with Clancy Brown's character, and he basically sort of hugs him and and burns him alive, and then. Mm-hmm. Marie walks in on it. What witnesses it happening? So he chases after Marie to you suspect to silence her, but Jordan gets in the way and they have quite a quite a big fight as Jordan's mm-hmm. trying to stop him and calm him down. 
And um, in the end, he, he sort of, um, he, he sort of like incinerates himself, basically. Mm-hmm. And it's like a proper what the fuck moment. Yeah. Uh, like I said, I think it was kind of like, like him and Clans of Brown being positioned as main characters, but like being killed off mm. in the first episode. But they do appear later on. As like both as flashbacks and as kind of almost like hallucinations for other characters, so they are around or at least their their memories mentioned what they how they impacted other characters in the series is felt throughout the rest of the show, even though their actual screen time is very minimal, and that was quite tense because uh, Andre, uh, who is like going by his best friend, he hugs him right before he kills himself, and at first I thought, oh, he's going to do it. He did the Clancy Brown everything. But instead, he's leaning in to whisper to him that to let him know that his dad, who works kind of with the school, also was in on what happened the, uh, with the woods and everything. And his dad, when Andre confronts him, also tries to silence him about it. But anyway, then he kills himself. And even though it was Jordan who fought him, like you said, it's like, well, don't see her as valuable as she actually is because they try and spin it as, oh, Marie and Andre finally fought off, fought off Golden Boy and stopped them and everything. And they try and this whole marketing thing around them, which Marie kind of hesitantly goes against, but from George's perspective, she's like, you're stealing my spotlight, and she doesn't realise that Marie is, at first, that Marie's not doing it intentionally. Yeah, it's, um, it's all, it's all pretty messed up, and we find out as, um, the series goes on that the woods is, um, basically, um, it's not really a mental. It's, it's almost like a mental. It's, it's, it's almost like um, a mental institute where they keep yeah. some of the more dangerous um, young soups, I suppose, and they also ex- use them for um, various different experiments and stuff. Yeah, which is pretty bad. And there's think- also there's also a bit as well where one of them escapes, and Marie and Andre help capture him and we later uh, it's later revealed that this this guy is actually um golden boy's brother yeah uh, we also we don't realize that at first because golden boy before he kills himself he's he's starting to unravel a lot of that because mm. he's having memories of his brother because as far as he remembers his brother killed himself but we learn he was he was led to believe that so that he wouldn't ask questions about what he was, his brother was, so he wouldn't go looking for his brother and because his brother was being experimented on as part of the woods. And I think the whole goal of the woods was like quite a few of the people in, uh, are somewhat mentally ill. And I think they, they use that because they want to experiment on suits, but they choose the ones with certain issues mentally so that if they ever broke out like Sam, that no one would really believe them if they told them what was going on. They might think, oh, this guy's crazy. Or like Andre initially just thinks that Sam's on drugs or whatever. So it doesn't know that he's actually telling the truth. So and obviously we realise that Shetty's involved in it and Shetty basically screams like you're up to something, but you're not actually able to figure out until the episode what she's actually up to. But you like whatever she's doing, it's not good. because uh, we listen learn it's like to do with a virus that she wants to it can be transmitted from soup to soup, which will ultimately if used in the wrong hands would basically wipe them all out. Yeah, definitely. And we also sort of learn that um, 
They used Sam, who's a very powerful soup. Um, they used his blood to augment um, Golden Boy's powers to make Golden Boy even stronger than he is. So um, it looks like that Sam's got various different um, powers going on and also mental yes. um, issues because you, you see him. Um, it looks like he's like fighting a load of puppets, but it turns, <laughs> out, it turns out like it's real people. So whether he sees real people as puppets or some sort of safety mechanism that his brain sort of sees them as makes him see them as puppets, so he doesn't actually think he's hurting real people, or it's you know it could be a number of different things. We don't just never fully explored, but. Yeah, he's definitely got some strange things going on. Because at first I thought it was perhaps a bit like um, with Black Noir, that he was just sort of Mm -hmm. seeing these things as part of his imagination to sort of help advise him and a way of comforting himself. But he also sort of unleashes all holy hell on a lot of puppets as well. And it turns out they're like the the masked henchmen who sort of... um, Workers like guards and like a private army for for the woods. So um, yeah, it's got some quite unusual powers. Yeah, and there is a very black noir scene because like he feels like this this he's watching the show with a puppet on the TV while mm. he's hiding out from the woods, and the people on the TV are talking to him. Basically, they go hunt down a doctor who works under Shetty to help develop the virus and basically get revenge on him for every all the shit that he did to him. Uh, and eventually does do it until the team go and, and stop him and then there's a very unique way he sees puppets because he ends up having a former relationship with Emma and they end up having sex and this arcade that he's signing out in, and it's just a split, they don't show anything autographic for, a, for a, a sex scene in this universe but it keeps getting between her as a regular person and her as a puppet in his mind which uh, <laughs> it's not what you want to see in that situation Uh it's a, far from the little more graphic thing we see. See, we see Emma involved in. Yeah, yeah, it's um, very, very surreal. Um, so yeah, we also get um, Andre's dad's um, uh, a character, a superhero character, it's like called Polarity, and um, mm-hmm. we can sort of. I'm not exactly sure if it's magnetism or stuff of his mind, but he can sort of make he can sort of make things move anyway, and he seems to have um, super strength uh, along with that. And you've got Kay yeah. too. At first, you think she can just sort of what they call push people. As so when she touches your skin, uh, she can suggest things, and you will automatically do them and um, it's like she can only do a few of those before she gets headaches and and passes out but then you sort of realise that she's a way more powerful than, than we're led to believe and Shetty's been sort of manipulating her and giving her these pills which she tells her helps her but it actually suppresses um, her true powers and she's all, she's sort of 
best I can sort of compare it to is Jean Grey. She's very sort of mm-hmm. dark phoenix. Her, her power seem quite unlimited when she's allowed to really unleash. Yeah, I think in terms of the suggestions, it's very Kilgrave from Jessica Jones. Mm. I think, but mixed with a lot of, like you said, the origin of Jean Grey into the face because, you know, the show initially presented itself as kind of a origin story for these wannabe, like, superheroes. But and Kate in the first couple of episodes seems just like a background guy, like the you know former girlfriend of Golden Boy, who's kind of saddened by his death, or she's kind of starts forming this show with Andre, which we realise that it wasn't just a thing that happened. They had to look dead; they were secretly behind his back, like for a little while, which possibly everyone else isn't happy about when they learn that. But uh, it's kind of almost our, a super villain origin story for her, because she goes from kind of a background player to the most. Like dangerous, like part of it, and we learn about her and her mum. Like, because she's when Marie confesses to her and Jordan that the stuff with her parents, she also tells a similar story that she was so annoyed at her brother, she grabbed his arm and basically told him to go away, and he did, and he went missing. They never saw him again. And we see when they go inside Kate's head in the sixth episode, I think it is, that basically that caused her mum to kind of be too scared of her and to get kind of locked her away until Shetty found her. Yeah, um, sort of, yeah, they, they were sort of scared of what she could do and what she was capable of. So, yeah, they kind of locked her away in, a, in like a hut somewhere in the middle of nowhere where she couldn't touch or influence people. And um, yeah. I think, I get the impression that Andre's the one she's really in love with and she was kind of put mm-hmm. with Golden Boy by Shetty because she's the one making him forget um, yeah. about what's happened with his brother. And we also see in a couple of episodes uh, our main characters like Marie and Andre, they suddenly wake up. And it's quite jarring for the view as well because it's one minute they're sort of escaping from um, a lot of stuff kicking off at this like party. And the next minute, they're in, um, Jordan and Maria are in bed together and the others are um, doing something different. You think... Well, what's happened there? And none of them can remember what's what's happening. And at first, they think it's uh, another soup. Um, this blonde-haired lad can't remember his name now, but it turns out it's not him. And we find out it was Kate all along, yeah. and she was sort of being manipulated by Shetty. But <laughs> instead of um, sort of going one way she she goes sort of even more off the rails yeah the, the character i can't remember his name but he can, can manipulate people's minds as well and make mm. them kind of forget things but he kind of uses it for really fucked up reason like he tries to assault marie when he uses these powers and that leads to one of the more graphic scenes of the uh yeah well, it's basically he's gonna rape her by but from all intents and purposes, but she's able to more out of fear, I think, than really know what she's doing. Um, uses the blood in his penis to make his penis explode. <laughs> Which I, I'm, I'll maintain it's worth that scene is worse than the the termite scene because you see him go in and the play was prepared and everything, but he's inside and then it, all of a sudden the guy explodes. They show that. The camera gets as close up to the spirit as it possibly can, and then it explodes. And then not only that, they show you that close up multiple times and previously <laughs> on for the next several episodes. So you have to relive that trauma. And 
amazing that a guy can still walk around when you see him in later episodes, but I can't remember the name of the, the character, but I know the actor because he's worked with Eric Kripke before because he was in Supernatural in the last couple of seasons. I think he's played a character called Jack, who I think was like the son of Lucifer, who Sam and Dean were trying to make sure didn't get manipulated by any demons and didn't also turn evil like his dad. But he was a right fucking bastard <laughs> in this. And yeah, the whole mystery around is he making them forget and then you realise it's, Mar- it's Kate and then Marie finds out about it, but then Kate and Mila makes her forget again and she's like, is like every time they remember she'll have to make them forget and go on and on. I think it's implied that she made him look forget about his brother several times. Yeah. Like every time he every time he kinda of started coming back to him where he got a bit close, she kept making him forget and maybe that multiple times of her fucking way said is ultimately what sent him off the rails and sent him down the path to killing Clancy Brown's character and ultimately himself. Yeah. That's Definitely, whether because um, he's so powerful, the powers didn't quite ever stay in power with him, or it's just a natural thing that yeah, you'd start to people start to remember. Anyway, I'm not too sure, but yeah, it seems like she can't happen to uh, wipe his memory. Well, maybe, well, maybe it's a side effect. Like you said, if the medication she was on from shit, it was mm. made dampened her powers. Maybe it made it subsequently made the effects of her abilities just like temporary or maybe it's because also like, if one member of the group she makes forget but the others still know about it eventually that person will remember it again or will be reminded of it and then so she either has to make them all forget at once or none of them uh, in that kind of regard but yeah the, the stuff with, with Shay was interesting reveal like their connection and everything and the, the wheeling layer realised that yeah, she basically wants to kill all suits despite being the dean of a school that develops superheroes and again in terms of connection to the boys this is like really well done i thought i did not see this reveal given that the the plane that homelander may have let go down in season one her husband and daughter were on the flight so that's basically led her to have a grudge against superheroes ever since and she's wait there are some scenes where she kind of watches these people trapped in a room in the woods where this isn't there's this guy who comes out who's infected with the virus who kind of comes out almost like something of a zombie game, like something like The Last of Us coming out and they're all trapped and someone's pounding on the glass asking, begging Ayla out and she just turns off the microphone so she can't hear them anymore. So she's pretty much, that kind of event pretty much made her very cold-hearted. Yeah, she's um, got her own agenda and uh, mm-hmm. not definitely, all right, you can see the reasons why she's doing it, but she's definitely not a good person. Um, mm. Later on, we uh, in the, in the later episodes, uh, we we get to see Victoria Newman. Um, mm. We find out that she's um, Marie's mysterious benefactor, and we realise mm. that's because Marie basically has the same powers as Victoria. Um, and mm. um, we sort of it sort of shows you how well. Newman sort of has been hiding the fact that she's a soup because Marie's really surprised when she reveals that um, she's a soup and can do the same thing as she can. So that sort of um, sort of reveals that if Marie gets power, uh, control over her powers, that she can probably explode people's heads uh, at some mm-hmm. point. Yeah, uh, well, I'd also say this stuff with the guy's penis was it was an accident that was basically her first indication she could do that and then mm. 
she does it later on, like not ahead, but she does something similar to that later on in the finale. But it was a really interesting reveal, and it really put both their their powers into context exactly how you know it works in a sense, and how you know Newman's able to explore people's heads. Because initially she's you know putting on the good guy act, like she often has in mm. the boys, where she's giving a talk to these superheroes, like can I explain what she's trying to do with the whole. She's trying to regulate suits and everything, but basically she's got that really right-wing commentator who's interviewing her. you got all these people who are pretty much supporters of Homelander and what he's doing. And basically, you know, you're trying to control us and everything, you're against us. And basically Sam gets kind of radicalised, for lack of a better term, because he's been kept, you know, in a facility. And obviously now people are trying to tell him what to do and he doesn't know what to believe. So he gets kind of easily manipulated in that sense. And, you know, it's very much, again, very right-wing, very... Donald Trump S supporter where they've really presented Homelander as because they started doing it at the end of the last season and then they mentioned it here because you have Newman in that bringing up the fact like you know like Homelander did right that guy should have thrown a thing at Homelander but Homelander didn't have to fucking murder him in front of a crowd of people. Yeah, we also see because um, Murray tells um, Newman about the virus and um, so Newman takes it. Um, takes it away with her at the end of the episode, so you kind of suspect that this might become a plot point in the boys season four. Perhaps, um, yeah, yeah perhaps this disease starts getting utilized in some way, and they have to find a way to, to stop it maybe to save Starlight and, um, that one that's with Frenchie, I forget her name now. Kimiko. Yeah. Kamiko, that's it. So yeah. it could be something like that. You don't, you don't know, or what about yeah. those things they forget about, and it doesn't feature at all. But you, know, you suspect it will do. But yeah, well, we do get a cameo also from Mallory in that same episode, where mm. basically, because obviously Newman Shelley knows what she Shelley knows about what Mallory does with Butcher and her group and try to take down Super, so she assumes that you know she'll want this and she can basically. Use a bit like Mallory, like yeah, superheroes or not, no matter what they've done, this is pretty much how many much of the population that have superheroes. It's pretty much genocide, uh, for lack of a better, like, there's no other way to describe it. So she's like this, she's like appalled at the idea of it, and so she kind of basically informs Butcher and the guys about it. We don't know that's who she's on the phone with, but we get kind of confirmation later that's who she was talking to. So now basically all the main players for season four will know about it. Uh, apparently, it came out shortly after the finale aired that. The, the first episode of season four will will pick up only days after the events of the finale of this show, so it's pretty much just rolling into the into what's happening with the boys. So, as we talked about before in the boys' ranking, Newman's pretty much been set up as one of the main antagonists for season four. So the fact that now she's got this virus uh, makes her even more deadly. Because I like the scene at the end of episode seven, I think it is, where. She gets she convinces the doctor to give her over the, the information, everything she he knows and give her the virus and she tells him all oh, she'll help her his family and everything and she just blows up his head. <laughs> and then immediately the episode just ends and the song that they play out with is Heads Will Roll. Oh yeah, yeah, bye. <laughs> That's a great song, Bias. <laughs> uh very 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 on point. Very well played, well played, Jen well played, but <laughs> <laughs> But I do agree with what you said about, uh, about go back to what you said about uh, Kate and being like Jean Grey because I think the scene where she lets out those little people from the woods and they very much start killing 
people and like try to kill people who aren't suits. So it's very much uh in fact that Marie and that try to stand up again. It is very X Men, like you have some bad heroes who want to help want to kill humans and some who want to defend them. But my friend David Campbell on his podcast did an episode about this and he put a really good idea forward that basically the story of Kate and her origin story it's basically like a more evil version of Elsa from Frozen and that she was forced to wear gloves. She's not allowed to touch people and she was pretty much hidden away by her parents so she wouldn't use her powers. Instead of yeah, instead of a big musical number, bloody Kate leads a big massacre of people at a school. Yeah, it all sort of shit hits the fan and the, the soups um, that have been sort of trapped down in the woods um, are basically looking for revenge or have been convinced to go uh, for revenge by Kate and they're looking to take any non, non-soups out. Very much, yeah. Yeah, and it like, gets pretty messy. Yeah, like this guy's going up to people, are you a soup, are you a soup? And somebody says no, he just puts their hand on their face, just basically melts their face off. Mm. And then there was this guy who was pretty much in the marketing department who was basically kind of a plant in there. They thought he was a hero, but he wasn't. And so Kate manipulates him because he's got this explosive thing that he makes a couple of people put in their mouth and they, they explode, basically. So Kate manipulates him on a live stream to basically to kill himself with one of those things as Ashley and a group of people from Vought are basically barricading themselves in this classroom and they're watching it happen and it's pretty fucked up what happens. And Tom Marie and Jordan basically and Andre try and do their best to, to stop them. And in this point, Andre, whenever he uses powers, he just be learned it. Oh yeah, your dad's basically went into a coma because he's his powers have led to massive brain damage, and he realised that he's he himself is already on that path. Because like, you get headaches and lightheadedness when you use your powers, and doesn't everybody? And daughter basically I'm like, no, not everybody does that. Yeah, looks like um, that whatever their powers are have really bad side effects. Um, mm. on in their brains, unfortunately, and he's already starting to feel it now at his young age. So, yeah, mm. it's uh, it's not a good, not a good thing. And um, some of the um, sort of more important execs try and go for this helicopter, and sort of Kate sort of focus focuses their attacks there, and. Um, they sort of tell Kate, uh, "Look, you'll 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 be promoted to the seven if you if you help out and, and can can stop this." And mm-hmm. she sort of controls all the blood from some already dead people to to stop um, this um, the soup getting to the yeah. um, to the helicopter and killing Ashley and and, and some of these others and. Um, when, yeah. As soon as she's done that, we get um, a very big cameo um, from Homelander. Mm. You should mention also, like, I, think, I don't know who it is she's going to, I think it's Jordan maybe, she, like Kate goes to try and manipulate her. You see she's, she's off her meds and she's going a bit mental. Oh she's yeah, caused, yeah, I forgot about she's that. She's got Shelly to kill herself in the end of the previous episode. And you see the more she uses her powers, the more her eyes start going really red and everything. And then she reaches her hand out. Marie just just uh, just puts her hand and shouts no and unwillingly uses her powers basically blows Kate's arm off. Yeah. Uh, oh. <laughs> so Kate, Kate gets the fucking Anakin Skywalker tree and gets her arm fucking blown off. Because uh, I was uh, earlier on in the episode when they called for the chopper, Ashley usually said, call Homelander. 
because he's one of the few big heroes fucking still left under Vought. And then you don't see him at first, but you can tell when you hear something in the sky, like, oh, shit. Because I think, as we know from the last season, like, as soon as he showed up, something was going to go down. And my brother made a decent point about this. Uh, like, anybody, any other black character would have seen this coming when Homelander runs. But Marie, again, is a bit naive here. So when he immediately looks at her and says, what kind of animal are you? Basically, his racism, basically, it makes him assume that Marie and that are responsible for everything that's happening. But Marie doesn't notice it until it's too late. And the way it just kind of cuts away as his eyes glow it makes you think, like, I know they said don't get attacked characters. They just kill off Marie and Jordan and pretty much everyone else that we've invested in. Like, you're, for a moment, brief moment before that inevitable reveal where they actually are, like, thing. But they just gave you these characters for eight episodes and they're like, oh yeah, then Holander showed up and killed them all. Well, yeah, I did panic that he'd um, he killed Marie. He definitely zaps over his, his laser eyes, but uh, mm. he obviously didn't use his full power on her because, uh, yeah, it cuts back and they're all in um, <laughs> another sort of sort of prison type mm-hmm. mental institute type place all together and Marie's like what happened and as he says you took you took his laser eyes like a champ <laughs> <laughs> yeah we, we, we actually like uh, the news basically they've re- they've reprinted it like, to make it seem like Jordan Andre uh, Marie and uh, Emma were all basically behind it and Sam and Kate are the, the new heroes of this, the piece. So I wouldn't be surprised if you cut to season four and like Kate and Sam have basically been recruiting into the seven. Because at this point, the seven are fucking far away from being seven at this point because people keep leaving or are presumed dead because like Black mm. Noir said, Maeve and Starlight have left and everything. And I wouldn't be surprised if they try and recruit them because before then, when all the, when Ashley and the execs be like, oh, so there's been quite a bit of controversy in the school. Ashley and like, we need a distraction. Let's promote someone to the seven. Mm-hmm. So they try to take the media attention away from real shit that's going on. So I'm maybe surprised if Sam and Kate get basically moved up to the seven as part of season four, basically as like loyalists, loyalists to to Homelander as part of the season. Yeah, we get that, and then the series ends after we see them locked in that this big white room, and then it's just kind of this post credit scene of somebody walking through the woods, and it's revealed to be Butcher. Who has one line and it's what a bunch of cunts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the most butcher line you're gonna, gonna get. So I have a bit of a theory after this of I think that yeah, okay, like so Mallory is gonna have told them about the, the virus and they're gonna learn about the woods and everything, about the university. So they're gonna be looking into that and trying to stop now and while all the while keep an eye on Homelander and I'm assuming Kate and that will be part of his group. I don't think it'll be till later on in the season uh, of the next season of Boys where you'll we'll find out what happened to this like Gen V cast, like these before they're locked in the room. Like maybe they'll stumble upon them and basically they'll tell them like, listen, this is what actually happened at the school and this is what's actually going on. And, you know, there'll be maybe some conflict between them and the boys and I think maybe they'll help them break out of that facility and then maybe season two of Gen V which apparently will help be set up by the boys in its own right. So they're not relying on each other, but they are helping set each other up in a way that kind of makes sense. But I have a feeling that most of season two of JNV will mostly be about those four kind of maybe being on the run from Vought. Yeah, could well be. That's quite a 
quite a good pitch, to be fair. Yeah. No, no idea if it's actually going to come true. I, don't, I know they've shot season four of, uh, of pretty much finished shooting everything of uh, season four, so I'm hoping it's not going to be too long until they get that, because, you know, it's given me my boys fix in a sense, you know, because it's got enough of the characters and it's got enough new things, but now I want to see what happens in, you know, full, full fat boys, basically. This is this is boys zero. It actually tastes like boys, but it's got something different. Whereas I want full <laughs> fat boys. <laughs> if you go, but talking about cameos and this is from the boys, I think the most jarring boys cameo of them all is when they go inside uh, Kate's head in episode six, and we meet of all people a hallucination of Soldier Boy. Yeah. <laughs> Those are great ways. I was wondering how they were going to get him into the, um, into this after what happened at the end of Boys season three. But yeah, it was quite a quite a novel and and funny way to do it. Because mm-hmm. we heard that he was going to be at it. We, we saw at the end of this, the uh, third season that he was being taken away by somebody to some sort of facility after the the fight with Homelander and everything. So I, I think when we heard there was something called the woods in the trailers, I thought, oh, he's going to be held down there somewhere. We're going to be using him somehow. No, that wasn't the case. Because apparently Kate used to fantasize about gold, about Soldier Boy when she was younger. And so that's why he's there. But then there's these bloody lightning bolts that basically are fucking up uh, things inside Kate's head. And so mid-conversation, one of those basically just incinerates Soldier Boy. And I'm like, oh, well, thanks for coming, Jensen. <laughs> But yeah, it was it was good to see him in it. Like you can't be a bit of Jensen Eccles. Hmm. Yeah, hoping hoping they see a lot more of him and uh, and Z-Boy. Hopefully, you get to see him interacting with Jeffrey Dean Morgan, given their history and and Supernatural. Because I'm still wanting to you know what Jeffrey Dean Morgan's going to do in season four of uh, the boys. Because I know he's now joined the cast. Yeah, yeah, could be very interesting. Uh, cause there's no. Um... Strangers are playing sort of superheroes as he was um, the comedian in Watchmen. Yeah. One of his better roles, actually, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. I didn't watch all of Watchmen. I wasn't the biggest fan of it, but I did enjoy him in it. So yeah. I enjoy him in most things he's in, actually. Yeah, yeah no, he's not. Um, he's, he's a pretty good actor, to be fair. A lot of people like him as Negan from Walking Dead, which is something I've, I never really watched personally. Yeah, I mean, I saw some of that. Like, oh, I saw some of the stuff that he was involved in. But by the time he came in, I watched like a season a bit more after he came in. I don't think Negan wasn't around enough for me to for me to stick with the show because I'm like, oh, he's it's good when he's on, but the same issues I have with the show are still evident whenever he's not on screen. So I pretty much gave up at that point, and then he kind of became a main character of the show. And a lot of people said he he wasn't as good after a while because I think he kind of became a good guy or whatever. So I didn't bother my with it. Yeah, if he became sort of popular, they probably had to tone him down a bit, which never really works. But anyway, Scott, uh, if you were going to rate Gen V, what, what sort of rating would you give it? Uh, I think overall the season, because I enjoyed pretty much every episode. I, I don't think there was really a bad episode. I mean, if I'd say... I'd maybe put episode six down the bottom, maybe by the kind of, as almost a default kind of thing, because you know you're inside Kate's head for the most part, but 
like not a lot's happening. You know, you get golden digital joy that he's taken away from you. So there's not really like any terrible episodes in my opinion. I don't know if I'm gonna give it a full if I can give it a full ten or not. I think I'm gonna get the full ten. Maybe an eight and a half if I'm feeling like being picky, but for now I'm giving it a ten. I I agree with you. They're very strong series. I like the way it had this sort of maybe not exactly mystery, but definitely um an arc that ran through the season. Most episodes ended on a bit of a cliffhanger with you needing to watch the other one, having to wait a week for the next episode was sheer torture sometimes. I just want to know what happens next. Um, yeah, especially given especially given that you know they give you three episodes at once, mm, and so you wait. Well, like kind of trains you, doesn't it, to, to be able to watch one after the other, and then all of a sudden, after the third one, it's like, I'm going to wait a week now, god damn it. But then they've only got eight episodes, it's much like The Voice, so you get to like three weeks later, oh, episode six, and then you realize, like, wait a minute, it means only two left. It's almost over already. I know, it's crazy, isn't it? But I wouldn't want it to be any longer, because as I say, you yeah. they, they tend to end up with your filler episodes if you. If you have too many, so I think I think they get I think it's just about right eight episodes. Uh, I'd probably give it about another and a half. I don't think it's quite a full ten for me, but it's it is very very good. Yeah, it was definitely it got a lot of praise even before it came out, and then as it's kind of gone on and everything, and then it's amazing, like I said, the fact that you had the debut episode of Invincible, like season two, and then what's it the penultimate episode of Loki, which is often talked about online after airs that out of the three this was the one that was getting all the attention because of the big like twist in the finale with homelander mm. showing up how it sets up the boys and everything like, like i had it had the benefit of being like connected to an established like well-loved show that did enough to get like i said make it its own thing and you know this this they ramp up towards the last couple of episodes the involvement of the boys but I, as I said before, I don't think it ever does it in a way that takes away from the show itself. No, it, it could have been a very sort of lazily cliched put together type of thing, but it, it's you know got the same sort of love and attention as um, the sister show, the main show, and it's really well done. So if you're a fan of the boys and you haven't watched it yet and why you're listening to this podcast, but make sure you make sure you do check it out. It's really worth watching. Yeah, definitely. I'm looking forward to the idea like obviously we're going to get the boys season four and then season two of the does that then lead into a first season of the boys or when the boys inevitably wraps up do they keep Gen V going? Because I think, you know, I'm sure there's a logical end to the boys itself. I'm wondering if it, like Given it's a completely new creation, like of the people who are involved in it and being a spin-off, I think there's kind of no real limit to how far you can kind of take Gen V and kind of the world that you're setting up. Because while the, the boys' story may have ended, those characters' story may have ended, you still have that world to play with, and you can get these guys and put them in whole different, you know, situations. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, you could probably go on for some time. I do. I'm one of these people who do believe most things do have a a shelf life uh, eventually. But yeah, they certainly the Gen V have given themselves uh, a new characters and um, world to play with. So it certainly shakes things up and makes things 
more interesting. So it'll be interesting to see how, how it goes and what Eric Key's plans are because he did have I don't think like a five season plan for Supernatural, but it, it kept because he sort of left sort of after that, didn't he? But they kept it, it they kept the network kept it going because it was so popular. Yeah, I think eventually, after like the sixth or so season, maybe I think it was he left. I think he originally had it for three, and then extended it to five. Because I think season six is like the shortest season they've done. Because I think there was a writer strike around that mm. time, so they had to show into sixteen episodes instead of the regular like, 22, 23 episodes that they did. So maybe it is a case of the fact that you know he does have a plan for it. Because obviously, you know, at least Butch's part of it seems to be, unless there's a medical cure, he seems to be coming to an end to the end of season four. If his brain is starting to deteriorate as a result of the effects of Temp V, so maybe been involved in it. If Butcher's somehow killed off, but you know, like I said, like if they have a plan for scene four, I think they've done enough. They have enough goodwill with the Gen V cast that if the boys itself isn't going, people would be like, "Oh, you're getting another couple of scenes of Gen V." Like, yeah, I'll, I'll stick around for more Gen V. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, who knows? Yeah, it's, um, but yeah, he's he's certainly um, he's certainly got to make good television. I'll give him that. Yeah, definitely, definitely. He's the two things. There's the uh, Derek He knows how to make good TV, and he's a weird obsession with people's penises coming to harm. <laughs> yeah, he really does. Because, <laughs> like, there's a scene with Emma where she has sex with this guy who basically wants to use her because she's small, and she basically jumps on his penis while she's small. And it's a weird scene. Uh, but thankfully, it didn't go the directions I was worried. It was going to like, are we going to get a fucking termite repeat here? <laughs> like, nope. Quite. Okay, thank you. Can we just can we just forget this ever happened? And then two episodes later, like, oh, you think that was bad? Look at this penis thing. Oh, Jesus, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, it <laughs> was wrong. It's like, because he was on the CW with Supernatural. So I think as soon as he got on a streaming service where he realized he could go as far as he wanted, he went really far the fucking other way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> The gloves are off now. <laughs> Some people Gosh. need to be reined in, and Eric Kripke is clearly one of them. <laughs> them. Yeah, definitely. He's that, like, that man is a menace to society. He's <laughs> <laughs> like Vince. He's like Vince Russo. He needs. He needs a Vince McMahon to to rein him in and keep him under control. <laughs> I know. I was going to say that'd be a harsh comparison, but then again, Vincers did put the whole Val Venus fucking choppy choppy angle. So exactly, yeah, and he also has um, an obsession with poles because in WCW, every <laughs> match seems to have to be something on a pole match. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, take uh, it, boo, take it, boo. Very good, very good, very good. But uh, yeah, so Scott. Have you got anything else coming out in the near future? Uh, there's an episode that's out now of Rogue Retro Smackdown. Uh, we involved in the episode following Unforgiven 2000. We kind of rushed, try and rush through it as much as possible because it wasn't a very good episode. Uh, and we're looking at some point this weekend to record the next episode as well as some, uh, some new Frasier content. For the Scott and Paul's Rambling podcast, which you can find at Sunfee as well as the Broken Pain Street, wherever you get your podcast. 
you find me popping up on ESSR doing thing there, like uh, I pop on ESSR Central every so often, which is a news kind of related show. We have a new episode of my show I do, East Meets West, should be out next week, which is all about Japanese wrestling. And a month or so ago, it's out in the feed. Uh, so give a listen because I think it needs more attention. Uh, we did a tribute show to Bray Wyatt, uh, which was released on Friday the 13th of October. So, okay, fitting in with that theme. Uh, very much uh, everything there. Also, here on Rogue Bain's Rank Bank, we, the boys episode that we did is out now. So if you're if you like this episode on BGMV and you want more boys content, go listen to that. Uh, and very soon, part one uh, of our Game of Thrones ranking will be available on the podcast feed. Yeah, God knows when part two will ever get recorded because we we're struggling. We're struggling to get together at the moment, but hopefully we'll we'll get some more done. Hopefully before Reese becomes a dad, because then he he really will be too busy to to do a lot. Unfortunately for us, but fortunately for him because he'll be doing the best thing ever, and that's being a dad. And yeah. um, <clears throat> if, we, if we can get through one page of his list before the kids hear, that'll be an accomplishment. Yeah, and um, might be, you know, you might have to wait another sixteen years <laughs> to, to, to the end of it, which will still be quicker than waiting for the winds of winter to to come out. <laughs> we we still be whispering uh, on all shows post November that he's on, where he's trying not to wake his kid up, and then me and Carl have to try and. Annoy him so much that he shouts, and then he wakes his kid up, and mm-hmm. like, ah, we win. And then we always because we have to the podcast because there's a crying baby being over <laughs> drowning out our talking. His daughter uh, crying will be to to rank bank what Dexter is usually to this show, but we've not heard any Dexter. He's he's too tired. Uh, Dexter, you know, he's not had a lot of sleep the last couple of days thanks to the fucking fireworks that have been going off. <laughs> Oh yeah, bless him. I don't know, I've done many around me for once. I certainly haven't heard a lot usually. Um, I, I hear loads, but I think it seemed as bad for some reason in uh, my area, but uh, so, there we go. So, years later, like, there's a lot of fuds around my area buying fireworks and just setting them off at all hours, but I feel like I'm living in a war zone half the time. Boom, 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 by all the extra can't get asleep, he can't sit, get settled because he hears them going off and everything. Well, tell your dad to stop it. (laughs) Thankfully, it's been raining again recently, so nobody's been able to go out and set fireworks off, which means that Dexter can settle down and we all get peace. But just like trying to stop rogue Scotsman (laughs) setting off fireworks, podding, ain't easy. (laughs) Ain't it just? Bye, everybody. Bye.